You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciple's journey with me. This week, we're reading the book of Daniel. I cannot tell you how much I love this book. Even reading through it this week has been just an eye-opener and reminder of God's sovereignty, uh, of of His goodness towards us in promising His Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man that would come and die for us. And and also being reminded that the Word of God is true. And that's one thing we're going to talk about today in our apologetics episode, getting uh, how do we defend the, the faith based on the Word of God. And I want us to, to focus really on Daniel chapter 2. And I'm going to refer to some other passages, but mainly Daniel chapter 2, uh, when we ask, can, can the Word of God really be backed up by historical evidence and, and archaeological evidence? Well, in Daniel chapter 2, we get this story where Daniel has been in the, in the, uh, the kingdom of Babylon for a while, and as he's there, the king has a dream. It says, Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, he had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. And so Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Daniel 2 is a long chapter, but I, I'm going to try to make it very brief. But Dan, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has these dreams that really just freak him out, that, that upset him. He can't sleep, so he gathers all his men they are supposedly gifted in interpreting dreams, and so they come to the king, they wait, and they ask him, okay, king, tell us what your dream is, then we'll interpret it. And the king says, no, 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 that's not how this is going to play out. This is really messing me up. I can't sleep. You tell me my dream, and then you interpret it. They go crazy, because then they realize, if we don't interpret this guy's dream, first, if we don't tell him what the dream is, he could kill us. And so uh, in verse 12, uh, no, no, one, uh, no one could, uh, could interpret it. In fact, the Chaldeans in verse 10 say, There is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king, insomuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician or conjurer or Chaldean. He says, no one's ever put us on the spot like this. So in verse 12, because of the, this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So as the decree goes forth, Daniel and his friends find out, okay, this is what's going on, and they begin to pray. Uh, Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, and he said, for what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch inform Daniel of the matter. So uh, so they say, hey, let us pray. And in verse 18, they requested compassion from God concerning the mystery. And Daniel and his friends uh, asked not to be destroyed at that moment uh, for God to give them the, uh, the interpretation. So in all of that, uh, the king is about to kill all the wise men, including Daniel and the, the uh, three Hebrew, Hebrew children. And so in verse 19, it says, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. And Daniel blesses God, he prays, and then he goes before the king. Now, uh, the king says, uh, or Ariok goes to the king and says, Hey, I found a man that can do it. And so Daniel appears before him and uh the, the, the king says, Are you able to make known 
the dream. And Daniel says, As for the mystery, uh, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it. However, there is a God in heaven. And, and this, is, uh, the heart, this reveals the heart of Daniel. So Daniel shares that God has given the interpretation, and he tells him then the dream. He says, You, O king, verse 31, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue, that statue was large and of extraordinary splendor and was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. And he talks about the head of the statue being gold, the breast and arms silver, its belly and thighs bronze, its legs of iron uh, were part, partly iron and partly clay. He says, And you kept looking until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Now, he shares the dream, and then he says, now I'll tell you the interpretation. And listen to the interpretation. This is so important, especially when we deal with apologetics. He says, uh, you, O king, are a king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven was given, has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand, and has caused you to rule over them. You are the head of gold. After you will rise another kingdom inferior to you, and then another kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters things. In that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom. And then he says in verse 44, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. Verse 45, Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Worthy. Now, I know that's a lot of information, but I need you to stick with me on this because what Daniel 2 does is not only gives us theological truths, uh, as we've discussed, but a defense of the faith based on history. So I want you to examine not just uh, intellectual information today, but how does this apply to our hearts? Well, first, we must see, a, we must have a right, humble perspective. A, a, a perspective that glorifies God and has a, has a high view of God and humbles self and, and, and that we would respond and say it's not about us. Think about this for a moment. God gave Daniel the interpretation and Daniel could have easily gone to the king and said, yes, king, I've got the, the dream. I've got the interpretation. I did it. I, 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 and set him up to be second in command, set him up in his own work, in his own arrogance and pride to, uh, to wow everybody. And Daniel might have even had 15 minutes of fame after that. But Daniel says, no man can interpret this, but there is a God. And, and I think many times when God blesses us with, with talents or gifts, we have the tendency to become conceited arrogant and to say, oh, it is all about us. And we may even tip our hat to God and say, yeah, God's gifted me, but we focus more on our gift than we do the giver of the gift. Daniel had a right, humble perspective that set him up 
for life, not for 15 minutes of fame, but for life and eternal life because he trusted in God and trusted in a future Messiah. And that right, humble perspective gives us a right, historical perspective. Notice what happens. Daniel lays out, not just for, for Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the, the kingdoms, but for us. We're looking back on Daniel and seeing how Daniel prophesied of kingdoms hundreds of years in the future. And this isn't just Daniel chapter 2. But when you go all the way to Daniel uh, chapter 7 and, and you see the visions of the four beasts and the ancient of days, when you go to Daniel chapter 8 and you talk about the ram and the goat and the, the horn, and then when you go to Daniel uh, chapter 9 and you see the, the uh, 70 weeks prophecy, uh, you, you also see Daniel chapter 11 and the uh, specific uh, uh, uh prophecy of kingdoms that would rise and fall and war against each other, we get a historical perspective that almost reads as if Daniel had lived it and then given the account and, and said, this is what happened. But that's what's so important about the Word of God and uh, defending the text apologetically. Daniel is not looking back. Daniel's looking forward. And so we get a right historical perspective of what Daniel saw as future. This is so amazing about God. God, It's almost as if God planned it that way. Wink, wink. Uh, so Daniel get, lays out the kingdoms. He says, look, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Or, or in a sense, Babylon is the head of gold, stronger than any other nation. But you're going to, uh, you're going to, uh, to, to, to fall. There's going to come another kingdom after you. Verse thirty-nine will rise another kingdom inferior to you. This other kingdom, the the silver. Uh, when, when you think of the breasts and the arms of silver, it's not as uh, strong and not as fine, um, not as uh, important in many people's uh, ideas of as gold. And so these are the Medo-Persians. And one uh, uh, one arm, uh, the, the Medes, one arm, the Persians, you know, the, this chest divided up. We'll see this also with the four beasts and, and uh, uh, when he sees the, the bear rising up with the meat in his mouth representing this Medo-Persian empire. And we see historically, especially in Daniel chapter 5, Babylon, then the Medo-Persians. And then he says there's a third kingdom that rises up, and that is, or a third piece of the statue that talks about a kingdom, and that is Greece. Uh, he says this, uh, this nation of bronze, uh, the bronze belly. We also see in the book of Daniel that, that that's going to be represented again by the beast of the leopard, speaking of how they move so quickly. But what's interesting is while you could say, well, that could be any nation, actually no. The way Daniel goes in, into even more specificity is it has to be Alexander the Great and his kingdom of Greece, spreading this Hellenistic uh, empire. And then that fourth kingdom, or that fourth part of the statue is represents Rome, or is represented by Rome, uh, this empire that is strong and yet will crumble uh, in, in itself. Rome, historically, was not overthrown by another nation. We, we know the Medo-Persians overthrew Babylon, the Grecians overthrew Medo-Persia, uh, but and Rome overthrew Greece, but Rome collapsed in and of itself. And this speaks of those 
ten toes and 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 crumbling into city states or uh, smaller empires. Now, when we have a right historical perspective, we see that what God says, God does. It happened just like was it was prophesied. It gives more uh, more authority. Uh, for us to say we believe the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't need more authority. The Word of God is authoritative. But we have more authority when we declare the Word of God as accurate and true and we put our trust in God. So we see a right humble perspective. We see a right historical perspective. But I want to share with you the right heavenly perspective. When you are defending your faith, Remember, it always points to Jesus. The only defense we have of our faith is our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important. And so a right heavenly perspective, notice this. He says, you saw a stone that was cut without hands, and that stone is the king, the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, who has an everlasting kingdom that will never be taken away. We see this talked about again in Daniel chapter 7, fulfilled in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. I love Daniel. I love Daniel chapter 2 because it lays out for us Daniel's humility as a messenger of God, the, uh, the, the, the preacher. We see history laid out as God's divine ordinance that there are certain things that are ordained. Acts chapter 17 says that uh, God has ordained the times and the places in which we live. He has ordained certain kingdoms to rise and to fall. God is in control. But then ultimately we see Jesus Christ, this heavenly perspective that Christ is the eternal ruler. And for that, we are truly thankful. And so when you defend the book of Daniel and uh, and your faith in the Word of God, you can, without hesitation, say, God spoke and it happened. God still speaks and it will take place. As we close out this episode, uh, we want to take time to look at our ministry moment. And the ministry moment that I want to give you is very uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I really want to talk about a particular man and, and the ministry that he has held uh, for the past few years. But uh, Mike Ray is uh, currently our uh, missions mobili- mobilization director, at least to the end of this month. And today I have the opportunity uh, to be a part of a celebration for his retirement. He has faithfully, uh, uh, when he, he and his wife came off the field as IMB missionaries, they were missionaries to uh, Poland and then Greece. Uh, and he was in Ukraine. Uh, Mike served. Mike and his uh, uh, wife served faithfully, uh, and his two daughters. And then recently, the past few years, he has come in and led us in Mississippi in the missions mobilization, uh, and he is retiring the end of this month. I love Mike. I've been on several trips with him, and uh, we've been to Uganda together. We've made stateside trips together. Uh, He has definitely been an encouragement to me. I just want to take a moment and encourage uh, encourage his ministry. Uh, I know God's honoring him and going to give him time to, as he retires, he's not going to be lazy. He's uh, he, he's definitely going to be busy, but uh, I'm thankful that God has uh, uh, 
shown him uh, or God has that he has shown God his faithfulness and that God has honored him and shown him uh, grace in the midst of of his life. So I want to take a moment, Mike Ray, uh, with missions mobilization, and also talk about missions mobilization. Uh, uh, the new guy coming on board, Chad McCord, is no stranger to Mississippi. For the past few years, though, he's been in the Dakotas, and I look forward to partnership with him uh, and our church, and what God's going to do uh, is uh, is greater than we can ask, think, or even imagine. So pray for Mike, pray for Chad, pray for Mississippi, pray for us, and pray that you would get involved in missions. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.